Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning. There's something troubling at times. Occasionally, I know of someone who has been wrestling with God at such a level that they would actually walk away from their trust in God. Uh, once in a while, I, in my job, in my experience, I've encountered people who for one reason or another have become so troubled that they've actually uh, taken their faith and placed it in the dumpster. Uh, they've simply just walked away from the Lord. Uh, there might be all kinds of reasons. Uh, sometimes the reason is that their life has encountered something so traumatic, uh, that their life has gone through something um, so crazy, so chaotic, uh, that they just simply can't quite uh, meet the God who says he's there with their experience. Maybe, maybe it was that a family member died. Maybe it was a mom or a dad, a sister, a brother, an uncle, a grandparent. And the family had been praying for days, for weeks, for months that, that someone, that God would come and heal them, and, and they didn't. God didn't seem to answer their prayer, and they're so disillusioned by this that they've decided that it's better to walk away. Now, maybe, uh, maybe it's just uh, something in their circumstance uh, they've seen someone who has been called a Christian. And, and they've seen that person treat someone else that they know, a friend, a colleague, a family member, uh, with, with such disdain and hatred that they've said, I, that's it, I've had it, I'm done, I'm, I'm, I'm going the other direction. Whichever way God is, I'm going to walk the other way. There are sometimes those... Occasions, unfortunately, where it seems like people don't just leave the church, they leave Jesus behind them. I remember the pit in my stomach when I heard the news that a former student had been deceived. Uh, sometimes uh, people leave the church because uh, there is this uh, traumatic experience. Sometimes they leave because... Well, they've been deceived. Someone or something has deceived them that, that tells them uh, that this is better. There was a student who had sat in my class. I'd not just sat in any class. It had been in Gospels class. I mean, we had talked about Jesus. A couple years went by, and I saw another student, and they mentioned this particular student. And, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, how, how is he? Oh, you haven't heard. No. What's up? Oh, he, he converted 
to be a Mormon. He married a Mormon woman. And now he's walked away from Jesus. And I'm thinking, oh, what is it that leads us to this place? Sometimes it's because we've just simply been deceived. And sometimes maybe, maybe it's just our own direction, our own decision. Maybe, maybe it is that we've become bored with the church. Uh, maybe we've said, ah, you know, uh, the ritual, I'll, I'll go, I guess, maybe once in a while, but I'm, I'm just bored, I'm tired. Uh, maybe, maybe people just simply uh, get up and leave because uh, they're, they're tired, I mean, physically tired. I mean, this is spring forward after all, right? And they've said, eh, you know what, I, I can do better things with my time. I, I don't need an hour on Sunday. I'm just going to watch football instead. There's all sorts of reasons. But unfortunately, there are, are these occasions, these sad occasions, which people decide that they've had enough. And they're going to pack up their faith bags and leave them behind them to go in an entirely different direction. And I just want to know how it is that God responds to that. How is it that God responds when his people leave faith behind them? How is it that God, this loving, gracious, merciful God that we serve, that, that we love, that we sing about, that we praise... How is it that he responds to, to his people who have said, I've had enough? How is it that God responds when we have said, I, I don't trust you anymore? How is it that God responds to his people when that sort of thing happens? There's the Italian prophet. His name is Malachi. And in fact, Malachi runs into a very similar sort of situation that we run into. You see, God's people have left trust in Him behind them. Uh, they've decided that uh, they could do better off without God. Uh, they have divorced their relationship with God. They have left this uh, covenant relationship with God behind them. Uh, they've said, I don't need that anymore. And, and in fact, uh, they have begun to live like they don't need God anymore. I mean, when you don't need God anymore, you begin to live like you don't need God anymore. You know what I mean? I mean, you can drink whatever you want. You can sleep with whoever you want. You can party as much as you want. Uh, you can sleep in on Sunday morning, especially when it's spring forward, right? Uh, you need not worry about anything uh, to do with this relationship. Any boundary that, 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 that existed before now no longer exists. And you're free to do exactly whatever you want. And in fact, even if you do come to worship the Lord, you can come haphazardly. Because after all, you have already given up on the faith. You've already given up faith that God actually exists and that He actually cares and that He trusts, that you can trust Him. 
And so you can come and you can not give and you can just come halfway and everything is fine. Because actually, you've already given up. And this is exactly where Malachi finds his people. This is exactly where we come into this text this morning that answers the question for us, how is it that God responds when some of his people decide that it's not worth trusting in God anymore? So will you join me in Malachi chapter 3? Join me in Malachi chapter 3. God responds and gives us an opportunity for response. When God's people, when God's people have decided that they don't want to trust Him anymore, they begin to actually mock God by their questions, by their comments. You see, if you come to the point that you don't trust in God anymore, that He is not worthy of your trust, uh, that you, you don't need to, to believe in Him anymore, then you can honestly, with, uh, without hesitation, begin to say things of the Lord uh, that other people couldn't say. When, when you've decided that, that you don't trust the Lord anymore, where, which is where the people of Israel are in Malachi's day... Uh, you can say things of the Lord like, you're not just. You don't even care what I do because you're not going to show up anyway. Notice God's response to a people that don't trust in him. Verse 1 in chapter 3. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. When there are people who are trusting, what is it that this gracious, merciful, loving father does? Well, he responds in a way that we don't quite anticipate, doesn't he? He comes back to those who are vehemently questioning his very existence, and he says, I love you. I want you to understand my grace, and so I'm going to show up to you. I know that you say that you don't trust in me. I know that you've left your faith behind you, uh, but I really want you to know something about me. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to send my messenger. Now, there's all sorts of questions right here in verse 1. Well, who is exactly is the messenger? Now, I, I know some of you are, are thinking, well, I know where this shows up in the New Testament. Uh, some of you are thinking, it's Jesus, and later on, I, I guarantee it will be Jesus. A guy by the name of Matthew is going to come along, and he's going to quote this very verse, and he's going to say, hey, look, uh, Malachi told us that this was coming. 
that Jesus was going to come. There's going to be this guy. His name's going to be John the Baptist, and he's going to prepare the way so that everybody knows, everybody can hear, everybody can see uh, this one who is coming, and his name is going to be Jesus. Woohoo! Uh, this very Jesus that, that you and I come to worship today, the very Jesus that would, that would be born so that he might die and die so that we might live. And this is this wonderful grace of God. There is that messenger. But there's something troubling me as I come to passages like this one. I have to ask myself, what, what did this mean? For the people that were hearing this sermon from Malachi. Uh, when Malachi was bringing this message, who would they identify as the messenger? They're going to be long dead before Jesus ever comes. And so I have to wrestle. Who is this messenger? I'll tell you, I, I think Malachi is the messenger for Malachi's people. Uh, you see, the... The name Malachi in Hebrew, you know what it means? Messenger. And so God was delivering his message through his messenger to say to his people who had long since decided that they didn't want to trust him anymore, hey, I'm going to give you a reason so that you will trust in me. I'm going to show up to you. I'm going to give you a messenger. And can I tell you that I think when we come to the prophets, uh, this is one of the prophets. In biblical terms, we consider it to be one of the minor prophets. That doesn't mean it's less important, by the way. What it does mean, it's just shorter. It's easier to preach through, right? So we come to the prophets, and oftentimes we think when we come to the prophets and we think in terms of prophecy, we think automatically there's something going to be coming in the future. There's a messenger coming. I think for the people in Malachi's day, it was Malachi. I think uh, for all of us, certainly, the climax is Jesus but there's lots of fulfillments to this, gang. Uh, you see, when we come to the prophets and we, uh, we look at terms like prophecy, it, it's like a bucket on the floor. It's a big bucket. Let's say I had a big drum right here, and I just began to fill it up with water. And every time I took a, a pitcher and I, I poured it into uh, the bucket, it's a, another way in which uh, a piece of God's Word is coming to be fulfilled. And it happens all the time. God's going to continue to bring His messengers to show up in your life. Uh, to show you and maybe to show your family and your friends uh, and your colleagues at work that they can actually trust in Him. And it's going to continue to overflow. This bucket, it doesn't stop overflowing. There's not just one pitcher. There's many. And God's going to continue to show up. And he's going to continue to bring those messengers. And here's the, maybe the best part. For some of you sitting in this room right now, you haven't struggled with your faithfulness in God. 
You haven't struggled with uh, seasons of great doubt where you have begun to leave trust in God behind you. And so it might be uh, that God through his word will use you to be the messenger uh, to the people who most need to hear that God still loves them and that they can trust in him. So perhaps Malachi was the messenger, and perhaps Jesus is the messenger, and perhaps, perhaps God is going to use you to work through his word to be the messenger for people who have walked away. What is it that God says? Uh, How is it that God responds when his people walk away? This gracious, loving, merciful God says, I'm going to send you a messenger to prepare the way for me. Maybe, Maybe you're in need of a messenger, and maybe God will use you as the messenger. Now, we don't know all the identities of who all the, the, uh, the messengers will be, uh, but, uh, but maybe the, the message of the messengers is just as important as who the messengers are. Notice how God responds by bringing the message for the messenger. Look with me, would you, in ver- the very beginning of verse 2. He says, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can endure the day of the Lord? In other words, there's going to be a messenger uh, come, uh, and he's going to prepare the way for God to show up. And when God does show up, there's going to be a day. Who can endure it? It's a rhetorical question. No one. And can I suggest to you that just as there were I think that there are many messengers. I think there are many days. Oh, I I guarantee there is going to be a day, like the day, the day of the Lord. Uh, There's going to be uh, some final uh, cataclysmic, however you say that word. Uh, There's going to be a last day in which God shows up, and there's going to be a a massive separation between those who have responded to him and those who haven't. Uh, There's going to be a day when uh, God separates the righteous from the unrighteous. There is going to be that kind of uh, final day. Could it be that Malachi is talking about that day? Sure, I think that's one of the days that Malachi is talking about. But here is the glory of the grace and mercy of God. I don't think there's just one day. I think there are lots of days. I think there are lots of days in which God shows up through his messengers uh, to tell his people uh, that they need to come back to him. Uh, There's lots of times that God uh, is going to give his messengers a day and he's going to show up uh, with those messengers through his word and they're going to have an opportunity to respond. Because I believe this about God. God is loving and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. And even when his people have walked away, he doesn't get angry, he gets sad. And when he gets sad, he gets patient because he recognizes that those are people he still wants with him. 
And so the question seems to be, well, what is the nature of this day? Uh, when God shows up in that day, whatever that day is, and I think there are lots of days. I mean, to, that day for you might be today or tomorrow. Whenever that day is. My suggestion to you is that God will bring judgment, little j, so that you may not have to endure judgment, big J. Uh, that when that day comes, uh, that God will, will bring a foreshadowing of the final judgment so that you might be restored back to Him. Uh, just would you look with me, verse 2 through 4? Let, let's read the rest of this little section. Who can stand when he appears? For, for he will be like a refiner's fire, a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. And then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. There's going to be a day when God's going to come and through His judgment, He is going to refine who you are. And when you are refined when you're purified. Those are those images of a, a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. Oh, we all understand soap, right? Just put a little piece of, uh, a little cup of Tide in your washer and dryer and everything's going to be clean. This is like Tide on steroids, all right? God's saying, I, I'm going to bring judgment, small j, into your life so that you will know who I am, that I am just. But when I'm done with you, if you will respond, if you will recognize that I am trustworthy, I will purify you and you will be acceptable to me. I will take you like, like fine metal. And I will take you through a process maybe that doesn't feel great. But in the process, I will, I will take all that is, is unrefined and I will purify it. Now, what does this look like? Look at verse 5. He says, so I will come to put you on trial. This is God speaking through the prophet. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers and adulterers and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows of their fa and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigner among you of justice. But do not fear me. You see, there's going to be a day when God's going to show up. How is it that God responds? He shows up and he gives you a day in which you have an opportunity to respond to what God is bringing into your life. And you say, uh, Mike, well, how is it exactly uh, that God brings judgment, small j, into my life in order to purify me? Lots of ways. Uh, the fact that you're sitting here listening to me, uh, maybe this is one thing. Maybe it's a preacher on a stage on a Sunday morning and you just feel so convicted that God begins to 
bring some small piece of judgment and justice into your life so that he might purify you and bring you back into restorative relationship with him because he loves you that much. And maybe it is that that God will use a circumstance that has come into your life and he will use that as a wake-up call for you uh, to return to him. Maybe someday you get caught cheating on a test. And everybody knows that you just got caught cheating. And you think, oh, my life is over. And you have to get up the next morning and you ask yourself the question, how is it that I got here? And it is the wake-up call that you most needed uh, so that you could return to your relationship with God. Uh, maybe, maybe it is that, uh, that there's something unethical going on in your business and God knows about it and, and someone else finds out about it and you end up losing your job and you're thinking, oh, my life is over. How am I going to support my family? What's going to happen next? And it's this wake-up call that God will use in your life as a judgment small j to restore you to himself. You see, I I happen to think that God can use catastrophic things uh, to bring people back into relationship with him. And I think he does it, honestly, through the cross, doesn't he? He takes this terrible, awful, horrible thing, and he redeems mankind through it. Uh, God may just use the circumstances in your life to bring you back and make you acceptable to him. I've never been a part of one, but I know they exist. I think they're called interventions. Oftentimes, uh, when there is someone who is an addict, they're addicted to something or maybe to someone The family or friends will gather together with this person and they will, in love and truth, hopefully gently, one at a time, begin to demonstrate their love by telling the truth. By saying the ways in which this particular person has has injured them or hurt them. And the whole idea is that they will wake up and go, what have I done? You see, the the idea is not meanness. Uh, The idea is not division. The idea, quite frankly, is the very opposite. Is that through this process, there might be a wake-up call. And through that wake-up call, there might be restoration. Can I suggest to you this morning... That God's response when you, when I, when your friends, when your family, when they have decided that they want to leave the trust of God behind them, that God's response is still, I love you. And that God's response with small judgment is his love so that you will be restored. And with God's response, now we have to respond.
maybe you need to just see today that this is the day, or at least a day. And God is prompting you to respond again, that you can trust him and change your life. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your word. Um, Lord, this, this, whole, this whole thing, Lord, uh, if, if we doubt this morning, if we are harboring great bitterness to you, I, I pray, Lord, that uh, quite frankly, we will see what you're doing in our lives. That perhaps, Lord, uh, you are using something right now as a wake-up call for us to come back to you. And so, Lord, will we, will we accept your refining? Will we accept your judgment now so that we don't have to stand before your judgment later? Lord, will you, will you help us to be the messengers to our friends and to our family? Will you use us and help us to respond to you, to be your hands and feet to those who have walked away? Lord, restore us. Lord, I thank you from the very bottom of my being that you, Lord, have loved us and you've loved me. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.